It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. All right. Welcome, Raider Nation. Raiders, 17-16 winners over the Denver Broncos. And uh, we're going to talk about the game here on Silver and Black to get today, the postgame edition. Raiders go 1-0. Big road win against the Denver Broncos. It didn't feel like it was going to go that way. And we will talk about it. And as always, joining me is our voice of the fan, our good friend Murph from Raiders Fan Radio, who's got to be really happy. Uh, wearing his uh, Raiders fan radio, like Jack Daniels looking shirt there, it looks like, right? Yeah, there we go. I dig it. I dig it. Uh, but uh, Murph, I'll tell you what, we, a lot of fans on Twitter, I always interactive during games, and a lot of them, as the Raiders rolled into halftime, the Broncos went down, scored, and uh, it didn't look good, and the Raiders defense wasn't playing great. There was just a lot of kind of, I think, first game mess ups going on here this team didn't look real disciplined at first but listen they come out with a win 17 16 play big at the end yeah that was incredible i mean like you know there i was i was down pretty bad there for like a lot of like the like the third quarter and then a lot of the fourth and whatnot and like and and, and shout out my girl valerie like you know like we're hanging on the couch and i'm like and i'm i'm dying over here because i'm like this is like it doesn't matter how much we change personnel, coaching, you know, strategies, schemes. Like it would still Raider football, no matter what. But then here we go. This team finds a way to be resilient in the end, and finds a way to pull out a victory. And I've said this for a long time on a lot of different, you know, on topics around the Raiders. The Raiders can have challenges in terms of like officiating and, we, and, and and those kinds of things. But the old school Raiders used to win in dis, despite of those things. And so, like, this feels like, I don't want to be a total prisoner of the moment, but this feels like a game that everything was working against us, from Jimmy G taking a freaking hit in the first series and us going, like, collectively, <laughs> like, oh, my God, here we go. Didn't even take a game for this guy to go down. To the cheap shot that happened, and 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 what's his bucket should have been kicked out of the freaking game if you ask me. But the cheap shot on Jacoby Myers, the penalties, the and not only the penalties that shouldn't have been penalties, but the penalties by us that were completely mistimed and and ill-timed, I should say. Like Luke Masters, like there were so many things that were so raidery about this, but we still won. So like it's, that's incredible. Like to go from where we were. What, an hour ago to how this feels right now? This is freaking epic, man. I'm telling you, this is a great start to the season, and we've got such a tough schedule early on. Like, this was huge for the Raiders to lock this down, and I'm, I'm keeping track of the scores here on my phone. Let's hope the freaking Dolphins pull this one out. We're in first yeah. place, Scott. 
<laughs> it looks like it looks like they're getting close. That game's been crazy as well. But Raider Disrespect 777 had a good point. He said good teams find a way to win when they're not playing yes. the best football. And yes. clearly that's the case here. I mean, the Raiders, you look at how they started off. Jimmy G and the crew go down. They get the Jacoby Myers touchdown, of course, then the first penalty of the game. Don't get me started on penalties. Uh, after that, a taunting penalty. You get it a little hyped up beginning of the game. Okay, fine. It happens. But they look good to start off with. And then that defense, you see a lot of the issues that are still on defense that that presented themselves. The lack of pass rush up the middle. The Broncos did a good job. Russell Wilson got out of the pocket a lot early. That's why they were able to march down, keep the game close, especially in the beginning. But then as the game wore on, you saw the offense kind of start to tail off. They couldn't really get things going. You look at the Raiders and what they were doing on defense. And I had somebody say to me, well, you can't blame the defense on this one. The offense isn't moving the ball. Sound familiar? But you can because the penalties on defense kill. The penalties at key points gave this Broncos team a new lease on life. Then you had the roughing the punter call again. That's like a turnover. So you see this stuff happen. Now, First game of the season, the Raiders, very lucky they were able to come back and and be resilient and win this one. But, man, coming out of this game, there's a lot of discipline, a lot of things that got to be cleaned up with this Raiders offense and with this Raiders defense so that they're all going on the same page. Yeah, just that turnover in the end zone alone. I'm like, Lord have mercy. Like, when can we stop this kind of stuff? Like, when can we stop – throwing picks in the end zone and like, and listen, and I've, I've, you know, the, the times that I've been critical of Derek over the years, it's been that, that like, when you look at the numbers on paper, they don't look all that bad. But when you look at the timing of errors, that was always the biggest thing. It was like, it's one thing when you have an interception on the stat sheet, but don't have an interception in the freaking end zone for crying out loud. And then here we go. It's what Jimmy G pulls off. And I'm like, and, and listen, and, and even on, this is like, you want to talk about freaking, and I'm not, I, I, I hate to use the term sometimes because I hate to undersell uh, the, and, and, and do any disrespect to the actual term, but we got PTSD when it comes to some of these things. And when you, see, you hear Jimmy G yeah. go, oh yeah, that one's on me. I'm like, oh no. Oh no. no don't say that. Oh, no, don't we don't do want that. to hear that. Flashbacks. Don't flashbacks. Do that. Like, we've been there, done that. Like we don't want to, you know, I don't want to hear it's on me. Just freaking whatever. But point being though, is that the Raiders ultimately overcame those mistakes. Like you couldn't have given the game to Denver any better. And then it starts raining and like all this stuff. And, you know, and, it, and it's bad enough that the announcers and everything else is just so slanted against the Raiders and it always has been. And so it's no surprise there, but it's just like, it just kind of piles insult on injury. And then again, you got the dirty hits and all that kind of stuff. So for the Raiders to, to, to pull this thing out, to listen, Patrick Graham, like, I'm not going to say he saves, saves his job on this game, but like he certainly saves himself a huge amount of criticism. He's still going to get some, but man, can you imagine what it would have been like? Because it's like, it's not even so much like scheming and things and it's like play calling and that kind of stuff. Like those things, I feel like we can't be critical of the early, not as much uh, in terms of criticism for the coaches, but the discipline, like, yeah. Bless it, man. Like, come on, can we stop with the stupid stuff, man? It's like, yeah. and so then that's got to be on, on, on the coaches. I was even thinking at one point when we started having all these defensive lapses, I'm like, you know, listen, I, I'll, I will defend Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler until they give me a reason not to. And I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, oh, wow, if we're really going to turn this thing, give this thing away, like how arrogant were they going into this game thinking that we had enough horsepower on defense to get this thing done? But ultimately mm. in the end, they did. So. They did. 
I started, my brain started going that way. And I started going down that hater path because I'm thinking like, okay, like I'm, I'm Mr. Positive in the off season, but give me a reason to freaking, you know, and a lot of other fans too, give us a reason and we'll start being hypercritical of what's going on. And I was thinking, Oh, here we go. Week one, but, we're already going that way. But Murph, but, I, 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 I thought the same thing though with Patrick Graham, because the defense was not performing well. The discipline, there was one offsides call that I could understand. It was the Tillery, the first one, because Russell Wilson does have a good, I mean, he does, he's been known for it his entire yeah. career. So his cadence, he does it really well. So he, you get one a game, okay. But the roughing calls, all these other things that happen were certainly avoidable. But, but I thought the same thing. Also, we turn, we turn our focus, too, to offensive coaching. And I look, you know, Josh Jacobs, 19 carries, 48 yards, a two-and-a-half-yard average. Now, you got to give the Broncos a little credit. Their defense is not bad. They played pretty well up front, but the play calling at times, I'm not I'm not getting overly critical here because the Raiders won. But if you look at it, I was I, it was interesting. I had I had shades of last season when it seemed as though the Raiders offensive uh, um, game plan didn't include running. Okay, first couple scripted plays, first drive, yeah, you run the ball, and then they get away from it, and then they have to come back to it eventually because they need to. And it's, I felt that way. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, it was interesting, you know, and, and I, I, I feel like they got away from it because Josh was struggling. He was. Like, he really wasn't doing a lot early on. And so you even saw Zamir White get mixed in a little bit there uh, mm-hmm. earlier than we would have normally have seen him. And I thought, okay, well, maybe they're moving away from it because it's just not working. And then they, they started doing a lot of the – the play action, you saw the flea flicker, and you saw like it was like they were trying to do stuff to, to kind of like, you know, I hate to say capital. On, on his lack of productivity early on, but they started doing things to try to get try to get Denver off the line of scrimmage a little bit there and then get him going. But just like I said, though, like about, the, you know, um, when things happen, right? Josh struggled clearly in this game early on. Yeah. But in the end, when we needed a closer and it's raining and everyone in the whole stadium knows you're going to run the freaking football, Josh Jacobs got it done. And so yeah. I got to give him props for that. I also will applaud the, the, the coaches for, for I, f- I forget the exact sequence of plays because it's just all so fresh and emotional in my mind. But like, I feel like they threw one there in the end that was unexpected. And so like for them to pull that stuff off, but for Josh to kind of close this game out, I mean, I, I yeah, no one wants to, to see your freaking, you know, your running back that, that you're paying $12 million a year, get 48 yards a game. But when did he get those yards? He got them when the Raiders needed him most. He did. And, and the other thing I'll say too, is that like, Josh Jacobs might, and I'm biased, so I'm just whatever. And there's a lot, most all of you listening, I'm sure are. <laughs> Josh Jacobs is the best in the league at either avoiding that first hit or getting out of that first hit and then making a positive gain out of it. Like, absolutely. I mean, he's in midseason form already. Like, I mean, yeah. for a guy that wasn't around for the offseason, like, that was pretty impressive, man. Some of that stuff that, I mean, people are grabbing at his legs and everything behind the line of scrimmage, and he's just freaking wiggling out of it and falling forward for three yards, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you look at it again, and, and I think it's 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 evident. I don't care how much how good a shape you're in. And I know Josh Jacobs is in great shape because we saw him when he came back to the Raiders after signing his new contract. He was in shape, but there's in shape and there's game shape getting hit by people shape. And I didn't expect him to come out and have a massive day, even though the record against the Broncos is so stellar. But you, you got to play into it. Just like people who were talking about Tyree Wilson being slow off the ball on defense. Yes, at times for sure he was. But again, he, he's, this is the first time he's played against live action since he was in college last November. So I think there's, there's opportunity there for the team to get better. Jimmy Garoppolo, again, ran the ball. 
Now, again, he's not a good run the ball a lot, but he had an eight-yard run. He had a big first down run there towards the end of the game. Nine carries, 11 yards as well. You mentioned the one carry by Zamir White for two yards. Jimmy Garoppolo on the night, Murph, 20 of 26, 200 yards, two touchdowns, the one interception, which is a tip ball. Uh, not yeah. a great pass. It was in a, into a crowd. So I'll, I'll give I'll give Jimmy credit for the interception because it wasn't like a bad tip. It was just not a, a well thrown ball. But but overall, in his first game as a Raider, I thought he was very efficient. And this is the kind of quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo is. He's going to get a couple big passes here and there, but he's going to go down the field and matriculate and get you into the red zone and hopefully score there. Shout out Hank Stram there. Good pull, Scott. Like that, uh, <laughs> you got but it. like that, like, man, like, you know, this is what uh, is interesting. So when you looked at, and, and, and you guys say this a lot on your show and, and, and much props to you. you. It's hard to talk about the current state of quarterback play for the Raiders and not talk about the guy that was playing before. And so this Correct. is not about like necessarily comparing players or whatever, but when we just, we got to look at, it's hard not to consider a nine year history. So when we look at Jimmy Garoppolo, no one came in thinking, okay, this guy's going to go through throw for 4,000 yards and you know, 40 touchdowns. Like, we didn't expect these big numbers, but this is the kind of game we expected. Like you said, 20 for 26, he throws for a couple hundred yards and a couple of tutties. Like, that's really all you need Jimmy Garoppolo to do. And if you can do that and you can score in the red zone, which, you know, again, not comparing, but let's consider what <laughs> happened today. Our last quarterback makes four trips in the end zone today before he can get one in for a touchdown. And it won him the game. So so props to him and, and the Saints for getting it done. If Ryan Tannehill doesn't throw three interceptions for crying out loud, then they probably lose that game. But point being, though, he got it done ultimately, but it was really not all that successful in the red zone. It was kind of like same old, same old. Right. What do the Raiders do today? First time in the red zone, bam, touchdown. Like, it's, those are the kind of things that, like, that's what's going to win us football games. It's like being effective and being efficient at the times in which it counts most. And so that's where I was very critical of Jimmy G throwing that pick, that ill-advised throw like you're talking about. Like, that was terrible. He hung on to yeah. it way too long. Yeah. He's got Devontae running, you know, I don't know right if it's the, the middle, middle of the, of the field end zone. or whatever. Yeah, like he's right there. Like, so that was not a good play by Jimmy. But if we can minimize those and do what we did in the first freaking drive, like, yeah, you know, I'm, you know, the, the Broncos, I don't think anybody's expecting the Broncos to go freaking, you know, maybe not even be a playoff team. So I don't want to totally get at it, uh, you know, crazy here. But listen, they're coached well. Russ is Russ. They've got some playmakers on defense. We did a lot of self-inflicted things today. So for the Raiders to ultimately pull it out, for Jimmy to have the game that Jimmy did, like it's hard not to be encouraged at least a little bit. I'm not saying that we got to no, no, turn no, no. a blind eye no. to stuff that happened because we're clearly we got a lot of issues to work on. Sure, but, but you got to win games. Is, yeah, they look I mean, they look better than a six win team to me, Scott. Don't you think? Well, yeah this 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 three game stretch we've been talking about it for weeks, right? It's going to be a tough one. You open up the you open up the season with two tough road games. It gets tougher next week against Buffalo, by the way. Yeah. But but you go. This is a division rival. This is a, a big deal. You have Sean Payton there, of course. He's he's one of the golden boys of national media because people love to talk about him. Uh, and so so for the Raiders to go in there and win, and all the doubts about them. Again, you need to put, I've said it all along, the Raiders need to put in the work quietly because nobody's going to give a damn about them. Nobody's going to give them any chance to do anything. And it's still too early to tell if they will do something. But you have to go step by step. It's, it's a week-by-week week league. 
The Raiders go out, didn't play their best football. They did at times towards the end of the game. Jimmy Garoppolo with a big fourth quarter comeback. Was that wow? That was a fourth quarter comeback. They come back, they score when they need to score, they get the ball back, they hold on defense. To me, that was a big one. I said the comment before they went on that defensive stand. I said, look, they they have got to stop him here to win this game. And they did. They stopped. And not only that, but then they got the ball back on offense. And what did they do? We saw a lot of times over the last couple years under both coaches, different coaches, this team get the ball late in, in the game when they had a chance to, str- to to wind out the clock and win the game, and they couldn't do it, punt the ball back. What happens? Other team goes down, scores, and wins the ball game. So I, I think you have to take the good with the bad. There's definitely things that need to be worked on here. You're not going to hear all unicorns and rainbows from us. But at the same time, enjoy the win and start to think about, okay, what are they? They got a lot of work to do if they're not going to get if they're not going to get blown out in Buffalo, frankly, because Buffalo, if they put you down, they will put you down. So the Raiders are going to have to play much more spirited football uh, and clean football on defense if they're going to have a chance in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean we can't we're not going to get away with stuff like this. And I know that the the, the Chiefs lost in week 1, but like we're not going to get away with this stuff doing this against the Chiefs right. or doing it against the Bills or doing it against a lot of, you know, even the Jets and maybe even the Giants will find out how good they are tomorrow night like or tonight. I guess they're starting here in a little bit. But like um, you know, the, we're going to find out a lot of uh you know things about this Raider team. And yeah, and and if we don't improve in those areas, we're going to get smoked by any of those those other good teams. So there are things that they have to build on. But like you said, though, and I think this is important, is that there's a lot of media outlets that will tell you week one is a lie. And it's true because mm-hmm. there are teams that 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 come out of the gate hot and don't make the playoffs. And then there are teams that look terrible in week one and then, you know, end up, you know, with a freaking bye week or whatever. Like It happens. So, I, I, so I'm not going to totally get crazy. But when you consider the idea that we got to take this thing week to week, this is week one. And at the end of week one, because now that game is over, the Las Vegas Raiders sit alone in first place in the AFC West. Now, I don't care how you feel as a Raider fan about the ultimate way that the game played out. If that's not something to get you at least a little bit fired up, <laughs> I don't know what it is because everybody else lost in our division and we hate them all, like more than anybody. And we freaking won. Like that, I mean, so for this week, I'm in. I'm 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 in, and I'm I'm gonna take that, and I'm gonna be excited about it, and, and I would encourage everybody to, to to find solace in that as a fan, because it may not be like that tomorrow. We, I mean, yeah, we, you next week, we, we, you never. I mean, watch what is gonna ha- just watch what media is <laughs> gonna do, and that I'm I like talk about you guys per se, because you guys are completely different than than what I think that a lot of the other national media is. But like, what if we go and beat Buffalo? What if we beat Buffalo on the road? What do you think is going to happen? What do you think Rich Eisen's going to be talking about? What do you think Kyle Brandt's going to be talking about? What do you think Colin Coward's going to be talking about? What do you think Dan Patrick's going to be talking about? These guys are going to be talking about the freaking Raiders. Like, and mm-hmm. like, what a cool position to be in. And, and I hope that the Raiders, and I'm sure that they are, are considering that idea that they have a chance to start putting a stamp on this season. And it starts next week against the freaking Buffalo Bills, who will be, what are we, like a like a seven-and-a-half-point dog, I think, yep. in that game? Like, yep. So watch the Raiders go in there and, and, and win a thing. Like That would be crazy. Yes, stranger things have happened, uh, but there's lots of work to be done. We're going to take a quick break here on Silver and Black today, which is an Odyssey original podcast. Do us a favor, by the way, if you don't already subscribe, even those folks that are watching us live on video now, go subscribe on the audio portion, and you'll get all of our shows all week long uh, wherever you get your audio. Uh, You're with Murph and Scott. We're coming right back after this. 
What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. Silver and Black today, the post-game edition. Raiders, they win 17-16 on the road in Denver. Yes, some of you aren't happy even with this, but you should be. It's a win. Yes, there's things to fix. Yes, not everything went according to plan, I think, but that's okay. The Raiders are 1-0. Enjoy it while you can. Uh, while you can say your team is undefeated. Joining me as always here on this show is my good friend Murph from Raiders Fan Radio. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore Murph, M-U-R-F. Make sure you also go subscribe to the Raiders Fan Radio YouTube page. You can also get their podcast wherever you get your audio. Uh, support them as well. Reminder, we are trying to raise money for the One Nation Foundation, which Murph will tell you yeah. towards the end of the show about the foundation if you haven't heard about it. But you can go up on DC4L Custom Tees. You can order your Midtown Mo, so Mo's shirt, and also the Aiden O'Connell shirt. There's also lots up there as well if you're into Raiders stuff. I think your shirts are up there too, aren't they, Murph? Some of your show shirts? Uh, we're on, no, you're on T Republic. Yeah, we're on we're on T Public, but yeah, T Public. Yes, it's so kind of Dan and, and DC4L folks to. Uh, to partner up with you guys and, and and to send for every shirt that you buy there, they send four bucks to the One Nation Foundation, and so we're incredibly thankful for that, and incredibly thankful for the response. Like we've already gotten so many like Twitter tags and all kind of, like people are buying those shirts like crazy. I see more Midtown Mo shirts than I do Raider gear on Twitter for crying out loud. <laughs> it's really funny. Even even Michelle on your show taking pictures. Yeah. Uh, which was good. It looked it looked yeah, really great. Absolutely. On her, so. Inside, got our, we got we ordered hoodies, so we're just waiting nice. on the hoodies to go. Yeah. The hoodies are good. It's getting to be that time of the season. By the way, also yes, you can you can catch out catch uh, Murph shirts up there on T Public. That's where you can also get our show shirts. By the way, if you want, or if you're looking for that. Also, if you do any super chat on YouTube on our channel, we're forwarding that to the One Nation Foundation at the end of the season. So, so everything cool. that comes through is going right to them as well. So if you guys feel obliged there, please know that it's going to the One Nation Foundation again. Okay, let's go jump back into some of the stats here, Murph, because you look at this again. We talked about Garoppolo. We talked about Jacobs. Jacoby Myers, and and hopefully he's okay. Hopefully he's back for next week. We don't have a report yet on his condition. Clearly he was under the concussion protocol after the, what I still think, I I got people arguing with me on Twitter that it wasn't a dirty hit. I watched it over and over again. And I don't understand. You're leading with your head and your forearm. It's not, you don't tackle with your forearm. So for any of you who have not played football, you don't tackle with your forearm. So, so BS, but Jacoby Myers, nine receptions and 81 yards, two touchdowns. He had 10 targets. So on 10 targets, he had nine catches for 81 yards. Devontae Adams, six receptions, 66 yards. Josh Jacobs, two for 23. And Austin Hooper with the big one turnaround catch, 
one for 20 yards. Uh, Jacoby Myers, now you have an idea of why they went out and got him. He really clicked with Jimmy G, and you can see why little bigger. Now, Hunter Renfro didn't have any targets tonight playing the same position, so you can read from that what you want. But Jacoby Myers brings something different to that position, or if we saw it, I think we'll see it even more as this team starts to open up its offense more, involve the tight ends more often, and do some other things that will open it up a little bit. But Jacoby Myers, man, boy, did he make a difference tonight for the Raiders. Yeah, he looked fantastic. And, you know, we saw that, you know, they had their best defender on Devontae, uh, Patrick Sertan. You know, he was on Devontae most of the night or day. And then, uh, and then also too, they were bracketing him like crazy. So there yeah. wasn't a lot of, wasn't a ton of opportunities for Devonte to work himself open. When he did, I was glad that uh, that Jimmy was able to to find him. But I think that you know when you have a situation like that where you've got, you know, arguably the best wide receiver in football, and defensively they have made a choice to to you know take him out of the game, right per se, uh, to have another guy that can step up and uh, and take advantage of those one on ones. And, and work open, like, you know, even in the middle of the field, like, yeah, I don't I, You can't not be encouraged by that. With the Renfro thing was interesting to me. And I wonder, and, and, and people that watch film and study tape and all that kind of stuff, which I am not, I'm a schmuck in my freaking bonus room for crying <laughs> out loud. I'll leave it to the people that do that stuff so much better than, than I ever could. But I'm curious to find out if he wasn't featured or if he just wasn't getting open. And that's going to be interesting to see because if he wasn't being featured, then maybe some of this, and I don't know. It could have been game plan. And that's the other thing, too. It's like it's hard to make up your mind about what direction the Raiders are going in based on one game. Because if, you know, if you're doing if they're doing their job effectively, they're game planning completely different game to game. So maybe this was just a choice that like Hunter's skill set based on the defensive talent or whatever. Like there just wasn't good matchups for him yep. or, you know what I mean? So he just wasn't featured or if he just if he they were putting him in positions to win and he wasn't. So that's a. And I think there's a there's a, there's something interesting to find out about that to find out about Renfro. But anyway, but but the point being though, more importantly than Renfro's lack of success was Myers accelerating and just doing fantastic in this offense. And yeah, and you can see like you know I'm not I'm I'm not a huge fan of coaches that come in and go okay I got to get my guys and if I don't have my guys we can't do it my way. Like there's right. a there's a there's a big part of me that feels like well maybe you should kind of adjust to some of the talent that you have already around you and let's see how good of a coach you are and see what you can scheme up with what you already got that said that's not what these guys are doing so i gotta be able to embrace what they are doing and what they have said is that they're gonna go out and get a guy like jimmy garoppolo and get a guy like jacoby myers because that's what will work in their system and sure enough we saw it today so so i'm with you i think that was very encouraging and um and now also too if we start to see defenses scheme to take jacoby myers out all right, we'll take one-on-ones yeah, with Devontae yeah, all yes. day long. Just throw it on up there and let him go get it, you know? And, and we didn't see a lot of tight end targets. We saw really just the one today. Uh, Michael Mayer's got to play. He had the big holding call, just a really, really bad call on him. Uh, a, a bad call because of a bad penalty that he committed, not a bad call right. on the referees. And so so I think the Raiders are going to have to play into that because they do have the – uh, I expect the two tight end sets as well. So there's a lot of things that they didn't open up with – uh, I think in this game that they will get to when they feel more comfortable and have the confidence in their talent to do so. But clearly Jacoby Myers done it. I'm looking in the chat and besides our good friend, just win Philippe, who tells me that the camera adds 10 pounds to my forehead, <laughs> which I laugh at. Cause I mean, yeah, okay. If I have a big forehead, but big forehead's a sign of intelligence, Philippe, just so you know. 
<laughs> and my forehead only got bigger as my hairline goes back. So remember that. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and the ten pounds is just me eating too much. It's not I'll nothing do that to do with too, it. Scott. I got one of those hairlines. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but anyway, it's great going on in the chat. There, great discussion going over there, uh, and uh, we appreciate you guys being there. But but the other thing I want to talk about Murph too was the defensive side of the ball because there was again a lot of issues we saw there. A lot of the same things we saw last year. We didn't see a big – we saw a big push in the preseason up the middle. We didn't see it tonight. Jerry Tillery had a couple plays where I think he really did well, got in there, had the one sack. Max Crosby had a sack. Max Crosby's just an animal, and he's doing what he does. And on the other side, we saw Malcolm Kuntz, a couple nice plays. Nothing to write home about, but he played okay. And then, of course, you had Tyree Wilson, who's playing himself into shape was slow off the ball mostly, but a couple times showed his speed. And so I think it's going to be a work in progress. The problem is, Murph, like they have till next week to get, to get things a little better, <laughs> the next step better, because facing Josh Allen and that Bills offense, it's going to be a tough task. Yeah, that's going to be tough. And if we don't disrupt Josh Allen, and you know, it's early in the year, so Josh Allen hasn't taken those big hits yet that we see yeah. him do. You know what I mean? Because he'll get out of the pocket and he'll get blasted, you know, running down the sideline or whatever. So we haven't seen, so we've got a fresh Josh Allen to contend with. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. And so, you know, getting disruptive in the middle of the field, which has been a thing that, you know, for the criticism that's been lobbied towards the Raiders in this offseason, it's been their lack of addressing a few positions. And obviously, linebackers, one of them, uh, and the interior of the defensive line has been another one. And, um, you know, like you said, we saw Jerry Tillery do some things today. Um, but other than that, it was pretty quiet. If you don't have, you know, listen, Max Crosby, as you said, he's he's a completely different player than everybody else that's on the field. That's oh, fantastic. You know, phenomenal watch. That one series that he completely took over. He gets the holding, you know, he gets the the pressure, he gets the sack, he gets that like it was like three, you know, next thing you know, it's like, well, third and thirty-four or whatever the heck it was. Like, I mean, Max Crosby completely took over on that drive. Um, but he can't do it alone, you know, and uh, right. D- Divine Diablo had some fantastic plays during that as well. I believe he's the one that got the got the actual tackle uh behind the line of scrimmage. And we saw Divine Diablo flash a little bit today and he was you know we i think max going into this off coming out of the offseason one of the things i felt was that max crosby had the opportunity to become the defensive player of the year and i think that he showed that today um but i also felt that like for the raiders their most improved player the most impactful you know player that would jump is was going to be divine diablo i thought he was going to flash on the screen and, and I think he did. And we saw Spillane make a couple of plays, too. But if it wasn't for Diablo's efforts today, I mean, I, you know, the Raiders aren't in, the, in a position to win the game that they are. And I'll give one more um, shout-out as well. Uh, Jack Bennett, man, that, that kid, like, I know he had he gave up a, a couple of plays. and yeah. But look, first game as a rookie, but I, what I really liked about him was the physicality that he brings to corner. I, I think yeah. that we are – we are looking at the future of the Raiders secondary when we look at Jacory and Bennett. Marcus Peters, on the other hand, a little, little rough today. Like yeah. there's, and I know he he had some some great plays, but th- they brought up a point. Even the announcers, and and I don't take this as like a hater kind of comment, like a lot of announcers are. Did Marcus Peters like? Does he lose enough of a step to where he's got a hold on some stuff? And like, like we again, we can't do that. We can do that against Kansas City. We're toast. You know yeah. what I mean? It was never yeah. going to get it going. Do that and, against and, Buffalo. Oh. and to your point about Jacory and Bennett, he he got beat on that big long one. But listen, that's a rookie game right there. There's yeah. there's no and listen the, the 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 Broncos 
receiving core was very depleted. This was not, I mean, Cortland Sutton's a good wide receiver, and that's who beat him. So, so you understand it to a certain degree, but you're going to see that from a rookie. You don't expect him to go out in the first game. You got jitters. You got all that stuff. But I agree with you. He's a physical back, and I think he will, over time, become exactly what they think he will be. Marcus Peters, on the other hand, I don't know. It's hard to say. I think we have the one-game sample you would expect more out of them. But at the same time, again, he didn't go to camp. He's a veteran. And so how many times do we see this? I think you saw it this week again. Defenses overall dominated the NFL this weekend. I mean, okay, the Charger-Dolphin game. By the way, Murph, Tua to Tyree Kill for four yards inside the two-minute warning, and the Dolphins beat the Chargers. Um, yeah. So so you have that one. And, um, yeah, I had somebody in the in the comments talking about how the announcers were talking about the Chargers were going to go to a Super Bowl before that <laughs> before that loss. And, and, and it's funny, too, because for those of you who have watched the show for a long time, you know I grew up a Charger fan. I gave them up in 2014 because I just cover the sport. I no longer have a favorite team. And I love when people roll in there with, oh, he's a Charger fan. But, I mean, the Chargers are so con- – he's the worst coach I've ever seen. If you think Josh McDaniels is bad, uh, go watch Brandon Staley because he did it again today from reading the play-by-play here. I did not watch the game that much, but I'm watching the the play-by-play notes and it's crazy. So we'll, we'll, we'll transition to that because I saw a lot of, I think the same people who didn't like Josh McDaniels this year come out. Overall, I thought it was fine. I thought offensively the Raiders did okay. The play calling at times I was questioning but then again, I don't know what's happening on the ground. So it's easy for me to criticize. It's easy for people to blame coaching. On the play that Jimmy G threw the interception in the back of the end zone, for example, Murph, I had people say, oh, but Josh McDowell's a terrible play call. He didn't call that. He called yeah, the play. Yeah. He put Devontae Adams for the first time in the game in the slot. So he wasn't against Patrick Sertan. And it worked flawlessly. It's just Jimmy couldn't get him the ball. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I, I've never understood the McDaniels hate. I, I don't get it. It's too short of a resume as a Las Vegas Raider to start making up your mind around this kind of stuff. And I, and I, again, while I can, you know, make, made the same point earlier about like, I'm not a huge fan of coaches that come in and say, well, it's gotta be this way and I've got to get players and it takes time to build it and blah, blah, blah. Like we, we I feel at times we, as we as Raider fans, like we've had enough with the whole patience game. Like we've been patient <laughs> for a long time. Like let's, let's freaking turn this thing around. Um, but that said, like, I've never, I've not seen these major lapses in offensive play calling. I think that, um, and again, not to go back and, and and to talk about old stuff, but there was clearly a disconnect between him and Derek Carr. There just, there just was. There was a disconnect between him and Darren Waller. I mean, it's right. there's a reason those guys aren't on the football team anymore. And so when you don't, when you have a disconnect between employer and employee, guess what? One of them is going to end up moving on, and when you you know, you're the one carrying the bag and you're the one that has the, you know, the, 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 the you know, you're the shot caller, then you're going to freaking move on from those players. Yeah. And so, you know, th- there was a lack of success based on that. And now, again, I, I, this is not save it, the freaking tweets and the YouTube comments and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. It's not about like pointing a finger at a player and say, oh, that guy's fault and he sucks. It's not about that. It's about his, his willingness or lack thereof to embrace the system and the environment in which he's being presented. And that clearly was, for whatever reason, there was a disconnect there. So there was a lack of success. Well, so that's not Josh McDaniels' fault. And so you got to give him an opportunity to show what he can do with personnel that are in. And so when we look at today, I, like you mentioned, it was when Jimmy G started improving 
Yeah. That's when things went downhill. Right. When when it was one two ball out, everything seemed to go just fine to me. Like right. you know what I'm saying. So like you know J- Jimmy, other than other than that bad pick on that improvised play, there were no passes that were like. I mean, there was that one close one over the middle. I want to feel. I feel like that was the Austin Hooper catch where yes. it was like, oh lord, it was like it was kind of late in the game, and it looked like that one could have been you know maybe maybe you know a little late and could have been picked. But outside yeah. of that, it. And look, I mean, Jimmy G looked really comfortable, and Josh McDaniel's play calling looked pretty freaking good to me. So, yes. again, I, I I don't understand that level of criticism. And at the end of the day, I will say this: it's all about putting more numbers in the left column than it is in the right. Absolutely. If anything, that's we were critical stat. of Derek. That's it. Like, we, what, what was the thing we were most critical about Derek? Is that lack of winning? What was it? What's the criticism? The overriding criticism for Josh McDaniels? Lack of winning as a head coach. Well, okay. So far in this season, which is the only one that we got, <laughs> he won the first game. They he won. won the first game. He's one and zero. He's one and zero. It all and, counts. But but it goes back to I was I I talked to Michael Lombardi this week about his new book for my role over at SportsNot.com. and um, the one thing that he talks about in this book, and I do recommend the book. A lot of Al Davis in the book. A lot of uh, uh, AFL AFC. So if you like that stuff, if you like old school football, Whatever. it's a great book. If Love even it. especially if you're very young, Murph, you and I are close in age. So like we we lived through some of that. But for those of you who are younger and you're watching or listening, it's a great book on the history of football. But he talks about there about being in the right situation. You can be a great coach, a great player, and be in the wrong situation, and you just will not succeed. And I think that's where, yes. Not exactly exciting for a Raider fan to say, okay, Jimmy G's our quarterback for at least two years, because you're thinking you want that transcendent quarterback. You know you need to probably win a Super Bowl, right? The Patrick Mahomes, those types of guys, the Joe Burrows, those types of guys you want. But in the meantime, as you get closer to that, you want someone who can capitalize on the situation, who runs the system. And that's exactly what you just hit on, Murph. And I know people, I see people in the chat agreeing. You might not be the Jimmy G fan overall, like, oh my gosh, this guy, I'm so excited about this guy, but he gets it done and he wins. And even on the telecast, they said that. They said, you know what? You can say what you want about Jimmy G. He doesn't stay healthy, all that stuff. And some of that's true, but the guy does win. And yes, he had a great cast in San Francisco. Don't get me wrong. I understand the credit there. But overall... This is the kind of thing you do. And I, 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 I caution fans because I know Raider, like you said, Raiders fans, are, patience is gone. Okay. But I think this year you're going to see gritty wins like you saw now. And then you're going to see losses. And you can't get down too much with the losses because I think if they're executing well and they lose, that's one thing. If they execute poorly and we saw what we saw tonight with the penalties, because I don't think you can have penalties like that against Buffalo or a better team, or when they come home to, to, to face the, the Chargers, you cannot, you can't do that. So you have to be able to get over that, and that's the discipline that they carry away. But, but I agree with you, Murph. The situation is a big deal, and this team's a work in progress, and so you have to look at it game by game in that way. Absolutely. And, I, you know, uh, being a guy that's, you know, I've turned the calendar enough times to remember the Raiders of the 70s, if, if even if it wasn't for the actually like sitting there watching the game as a kid, it was all the stories that I heard from my dad and my <laughs> uncles and all the, the amazing stories about the Raiders of the 70s and training camp at Santa Rosa and yada, 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 all that stuff. And I and, you know, and, and I've been alive for all three of the of the rate of the Raiders Super Bowls. I can tell you this, that like when you look at the stat sheet and you look at Kenny Stabler, when you look at Jim Plunkett, when you look at even Daryl LaMonica to a certain extent, 
great players aren't always great, but they're always great when they have to be, is the famous line, right? Mm -hmm. Jim Plunkett wasn't a guy that willed the Raiders to victory every time he took the field. And there's people out there that are clamoring for him to be in the Hall of Fame. Jim Plunkett, as the kids would say nowadays, he'd be considered mid. But what did he do when it counted most? When you look at Kenny Stabler, who through the history of his career, through more interceptions than touchdown passes, and is still in the Hall of Fame, why? Because of the sea of hands. Because of running in on hobbled legs and the immaculate deception to give the Raiders even an opportunity to win. To coming on and, and crushing the freaking Minnesota Vikings, as Bill King famously said. He's playing the, 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 you know, the Minnesota Vikings defense like a violin. Like, when you look at, like, what, what the Raiders best quarterbacks in history have done, they weren't blowing it up on the freaking in the regular season. And the, Jimmy G is way more Jim Plunkett and Kenny Stabler than he is, I don't know, Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah. so like, I'm with you. And some things, and I know the game is much different. So save me that argument too, Raider Nation. Like, <laughs> I know that we're not playing the same game we were playing in the early 80s and the late 70s. I get it. But there are some things that still translate. Good defense, run the ball, take care of the football, don't turn it over, and do what you need to do at the time in which it counts most. Put the ball in the end zone when it counts most. Get that first down, that critical uh, first down, Josh Jacobs, when it counts most. Get that, convert that third down. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, put absolutely. the ball in the end zone, in the red zone. Those things, like, it doesn't matter what era of football you're considering. Those are the things that count. I'll give you another one. Create turnovers. We had a yeah. turnover tonight that was negated because of a stupid penalty because of, unfortunately, Marcus Peters. But, like, those are the things. And if the Raiders can do those things, we can beat anybody. And Jimmy Garoppolo is good enough to get us to a champion because he's not a bad quarterback. He's smart. No. No. He's got some arm talent. Is he going to go out there and throw for freaking 400-some-odd yards and throw darts down the middle of the field to Tyreek? No, that's not no. what he's going to do. But he doesn't have to. And so that's... You know, I don't know. I went on a tangent there, there was, but I, I, but, I will but say Mark, this: you, you you bring up a good point, though. It's it, and it's the other thing too. Sometimes it's what you don't do, right? So so uh, to your point about Jim Plunkett, which I know some people are like Jim Plunkett Super Bowl. Yes, but remember, he got run out of New England because he was he was highly touted out of college, didn't pan out. Al Davis did what Al Davis does is he found guys and turned them into great players. And so he did. So I, I think there's a comparison to be made there for certain. But also, Jimmy G, he does, from his history, he has periods of times where he does get into lulls where he might be a little lazy with the ball and he ends up in interceptions. But overall, if you look at what he did tonight, yes, he threw that ball in the, the, the end zone. It was intercepted. But again, that and it was in the red zone, so it costs you points. So I'm not excusing it. But at the same time, overall, if you look at his decision-making, it's pretty good. It's really good most of the time. And so that should be something I think Raider fans should be excited about. Okay, we're going to take a, one more quick break. When we come back, Murph and I are going to close. So we're going to give out some game balls. We're going to talk about the One Nation Foundation. We'll look ahead to the week ahead in Raider Nation. Uh, you're listening to Silver and Black today with Murph and Scott. Don't go anywhere. All right, welcome back. Silver and Black today, The if I can get that out. Silver and Black today, or now it's tonight because we're in the PM. Uh, thanks for being with us in Odyssey Original Podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you for the chat. It's going crazy as always, just like it is on your show. It's it's awesome to see everybody right. in there having fun, uh, talking about this Raiders 17-16 to win in Denver over the Broncos. 
Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe and the notifications bell so you can uh, be a part of the discussion. Thanks and hello to everybody else on Twitter, Twitch, and Rumble as well. We're trying to be wherever we can where people are watching. So thank you for that. Uh, Murph is, of course, with Raiders Fan Radio. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore Murph. I'm at LV Gully. The show is SNB Today. And uh, Murph, I, let's let's give out some game balls. Always fun to give out game balls. There's, I think, players deserving of it tonight, several. But I'd like to start with you and who you want to give the Raiders fan radio game ball to. Wow, that's a great question. That's fun. Um, you know, it's I know that overall, the whole entirety of the game, he wasn't didn't have an impact uh, every series, but. When he did, it was massive. And so I'm going to go with my guy that I think is is in the running for defensive player of the year. I'm going to go with Max Crosby. I think that he's the heart of the defense, clearly. I think that he's also the, like, like the oxygen of the defense. Like, it's like people follow, players follow his lead. He is so demonstrative in his leadership now. And, and I love the story of Max Crosby. You all are familiar with it, so I'll save the, the, the going over it. But, like, to consider where he was oh. to where he is, and for a guy that had 10 and a half sacks his rookie year and to be exponentially better than where he was even as a rookie, I think it's impressive, man. And I couldn't be prouder to have him leading this our team and to, and to, and to be the, like, the de facto leader of the team. And I know you've got Devontae, and I know there's Jimmy, and I know there's other guys that are leaders of the team as well. But when you look at Max Crosby and you see that freaking big old Raider shield on the back of that tricep on the screen, and it's like, and he's making plays, it's like, look at this freaking guy, man. Like, that's, it's awesome. Like, he, um, I'll say this and I'll shut up. But like, earlier this year, when the Raiders, they bring in their alumni every year and you see, you know, Phil Villapiano and you see all these guys like running around training camp and stuff. And they, and I love the influence and the interaction that those, former players, those greats, George Atkinson and all them, that they have uh, in, in the offseason and on, on the team. Now, the 2023, you can't be, as you mentioned, you can't leave with your forearm. You can't tackle like George Atkinson and Phil Villapiano anymore. You can't do that. But can the Raiders of 2023 take that idea and those concepts and that like the mystique of the Raiders of those past eras can they take that and form that into something that can exist in 2023 in a healthy way? And I think that that's what the Raiders defense is starting to do. And no one epitomizes that better than Max Crosby. And it showed up today. So I know it's a long answer to the question, but that's who gets okay. my game ball. And, uh, you know, much respect to the Condor, man. He's killing it. He is. And, and I agree with you. He is the face of the franchise. I know it usually goes, but in the NFL, the quarterback defensive end sometimes wide receiver those are the faces of today's nfl franchises right and so i, I think you're right about max crosby i'm going to give the game ball on the offensive side I, I have to give it to jacoby myers i have not seen obviously because we went on the air mm -hmm. right after the game so i do not have any any detail on an update on injury on that usually they're not going to give us one tonight anyway when you have a concussion so hopefully he's only in it for a day or two and can get out and get ready for Buffalo. But nine catches, 81 yards, two touchdowns in his Raiders debut. And, and they were big catches. And he also had some other big catches getting open, finding the space in the slot. Uh, and so I'm going to give him the offensive game ball uh, and, and really excited about what he's able to bring this. And Devontae Adams, you, like you said, tonight Jacoby Myers got away with a lot and got open a lot and all that. 
as they as he demands a little more attention, that's going to free up Devontae Adams. That'll free up Michael Mayer and Austin Hooper, uh, as well as even Josh Jacobs coming out of the backfield. So there's going to have a lot of opportunities there, and I think it's going to be exciting for this offense, um, who I think can be very explosive. I think we saw pieces of that tonight, Murph. They're just going to have to get a little more consistent and I think a little more comfortable working as a unit. Yeah, I think once Josh gets going, like, you know, yeah. again, he struggled a little bit early on in the game. And, like, you know, can you imagine if Josh Jacobs has, like, a Josh Jacobs kind of game like he's had in the past against the Broncos? Like, this thing might not even be as close as it was. I mean, you know, and, and, and considering – and that's the thing that's, that's, that's really got me about this game, and I'm going to really lock into this, is that there are – there was a lot of things tonight that looked like Raiders football has looked like for a long time. Yeah. But we still won. And that's, it was like before, or at least in semi-recent history, it was like everything had to be absolutely perfect for us to win a football game. We didn't overcome, you know, um, adversity very well in many incarnations of this team. And that's what we did tonight. Like we overcame a lot and mm-hmm. still pulled it out. So like once Josh gets going, like once you know, like and I and he will. There's a reason yeah. he led the league last year. He ain't gonna be have a 48 yard game for 16 more games. Like he's yeah. gonna get going, and when he gets going, and we have the efficiency in this passing game, and Max Crosby's having the impact that he has on defense. Like look out, man. Like you know, I don't. I don't. We did our schedule prediction show the other night, and uh, and I had the Raiders at nine wins, and I don't think anything happened today that made me feel like we were going to win more than that, nor less than that. Mm-hmm. I think that we're going to be a, a, an improved football team, be in the conversation, but I think that we're going to win the games we should, which has not been a, a you know something that in the past or at least recent past that that we haven't done. We sh- we've lost a lot of the games that we should. I'll never forget that game in Atlanta for crying out loud few years ago that was just like i mean like how did we lose to that team it was ugly ugly it was terrible like it was like what team showed up today you know and you know so anyways but point being though is that like i think this version of the raiders just my opinion as a fan i think that we're going to win the games we should we'll probably lose the games that we expect chiefs you know bills those kinds of games those are tough but when it comes to playing pittsburgh in Las Vegas, like, we probably will win that game. Can we beat the Jets in Las Vegas? Probably not. Can we beat the Giants? Probably so. Like, you start going yeah. down the list. like, And so, and ultimately, I think that we're like a nine-win football team, and that's good enough to show an improvement over prior year, secures everybody their jobs. No one's going to be ran out of town. And, you know, because if the Raiders are embarrassed, Mark, we know Mark Davis doesn't like to be embarrassed. He'll run, he'll run you out of town. Ask Jack Del Rio. So, like, you know, I, I think that it'll be enough of an improvement. And then we'll be going into next year thinking, like, okay, like now we make the jump. Now we start contending for the division. So, anyways, yeah. I'm getting way ahead of myself now. It's just okay. week one. But, like, but, but, but Mark, um, three, uh, listen, a three-game improvement would be a big deal. I know for some people it's playoffs yeah. or nothing, and I understand that. But really a three-game improvement over last year with a, with a complete roster turnover for the most part – is pretty significant. So we'll have to see where it goes. But we have to see improvement week by week. To me, that's where you know you're on the right track. And yes, you take two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes that happens when you're developing a team in what is a rebuild. Let's call it what it is. So so we'll see what happens there and how it all goes down. But uh, a busy week ahead for the Raiders as they prepare, go all the way back to Las Vegas and then get all the way to Buffalo. Luckily, it's during warm weather. Now, we had rain up in that area today, 
Hopefully the rain stays away next week. It's supposed to be pretty cool, but not cold. So that's good for the Raiders. Murph, before we get out of here, too, I want to make sure we always we always touch on the shows here, uh, the One Nation Foundation, what you, Michelle, Swag, Jeff, and the team do there with the One Nation Foundation and how people can take uh, advantage of, of being part of it and donating so that we can help folks inside Raider Nation and great charities. Yeah, thank you so much for asking, as always. And so our uh, once we figured out we could make money with our show, with Raiders Fan Radio, we decided we want to give 100% of that money away, and we give it strictly to Raiders-related charities. Um, we gave some money to the Raider Dad folks uh, and helped provide a tailgate for 54 families uh, wow. to go to a Raider game where they take un- under, uh, underprivileged kids, and uh, not only just the kids, but their uh, parental figures to the game and provided a tailgate experience, and it's an amazing organization, and we're going to look to double our efforts with them for 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 next year um or more but anyways because it's so fan we, we had a chance swag and i went out to vegas this year and had a chance to see what they did firsthand uh to the pre in the preseason game against the niners great great folks so we're gonna we're gonna be very happy to to partner with them again uh and then also we were able to raise 15 not i say we it's raider nation it's our listeners of our show and you know folks like yourself um that that, that give to the one nation foundation and and uh so collectively we were able to raise 15 thousand dollars to give to the Bolitnikovs who uh wow. Tracy's Place of Hope and the Bolitnikov Center of Hope are the two facilities that their foundation um funds and they provide safe spaces uh for young women that are at risk of domestic violence or substance abuse but offers offers them rehabilitative services so um teaches them things like domestic skills and you know whatever and how to reacclimate uh once they get back out so they're wonderful organizations and we're thrilled that our um that our foundation gives to those and we're looking to keep going um you know we've we've brought on some amazing corporate partners this year uh the boy will compton uh, who's who's become a buddy of ours is is supporting the foundation the amazing support that we get from you and from Mo and from Silver and Black today could not be more grateful for the for the partnership uh, that you all have provided for us and um, and so yeah so we're gonna look to keep taking this thing bigger and bigger and bigger and and uh, the more you know maybe not maybe expanding outside of even Raiders related charities and getting into other pr- players charities like the, the 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 more that we can do to share. Um, with, with, with folks that are in need, like that's kind of yeah. what we feel like our calling is. We love it when people support Raiders Fan Radio, and I love doing Raiders Fan Radio. But um, but I feel like Raiders Fan Radio exists nowadays to support the One Nation Foundation, and so so I can't thank everybody enough um, for the support and the endorsement uh, that, that that you all have given us, and even for those that can't support it monetarily, we have advertising opportunities with Raiders Fan Radio. So just hit a like. Hit a subscribe, share yes. it with your friends, retweet a thing, any of that kind of stuff that gives exposure. It's not about building our audience per se, like for our own glorification. It's about building our audience so we have a broader reach to generate advertising dollars is what it's all about. So I can't awesome. thank you enough, Scott, as always, for the platform to talk about the One Nation Foundation. And thank you to everybody that's out there. I'm sure many people in the chat room uh, that are participants. We, we love you guys and, and, uh, and, and couldn't be more honored to be the vessel for Raider Nation and the giving and the amazing like we say this thing is la familia and it's not a joke like it's not we couldn't be more thankful it, to be it, part of that thank you guys no and it's remarkable how much uh raider fans raider nation supports one another i mean you hear about somebody that's having trouble and man people come come they go to action they don't wait around and say oh this that they just go to action and part of that is exactly what you guys do and the charities that you've been raising funds for so uh it's phenomenal and and make sure you do that again all the super chats we do this year on silver and black today are going right to the foundation as well so however you feel good on wednesday nights go watch 
Raiders fan radio. It's a blast. I do it. I'm usually drinking a bourbon and smoking a cigar. And, and chiming in with chat here enough, it's it's a good time. So make sure you follow them up on uh, YouTube and and also subscribe to their podcast as well. All right, Murph, I will talk to you next week, man. After the Buffalo game, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. We're either going to be uh, ready to freaking take over the world, <laughs> or we'll all be in our feelings. You know what I mean? But oh like, yes, we'll be in our feelings one way or the other. We can win this game by thirty, and there's going to be some parts of Raider Nation that are going to be like, oh yeah, well Josh McDaniels. <laughs> that's right they they just want the trophy they just want the lombardi trophy and you understand it all right my friend i'll talk to you next week all right thank y'all love you guys all right there you go i want to thank again murph for coming on and thank all of you for being with us a reminder subscribe to the podcast wherever you get the show on audio even if you just watch us on video which is great and you make fun of my forehead all that jazz i love it self-deprecating humor it's good it's good for me i don't care either way but nonetheless thank you guys for being with us all of you in the chat on all the different platforms has been fantastic thank you for being with us raider worm oakland raider tucker michelle sweets in there also daniel uh who else is in there jordan ford i'm a man from st louis and uh lots of you folks are in there so we appreciate you gladiator gladiator raider excuse me so thank you guys all for chatting in there on the YouTube page and for being with us as well. And we can't do it without you, so we appreciate it. And even if you watch on video, that's the point I was trying to make. Subscribe to the audio. It helps Mo and I out. Mo, of course, usually here he's doing his post-game shows with Bleacher Report. Now he does a quick thing right after the game for a few minutes, and then he's back to writing. I'm leaving you now, too, because I have to cover the rest of the NFL for SportsNot.com. So i got to go write some packages. I also have to write my Raiders story for sportsnot.com, which you can see tomorrow on the site. Just follow me on Twitter at LVGully, and you can follow all the content we're doing there as well. But thank you guys for being with us and for following the show. Until next week, I should say, live next week, but we will have a new show, as we always do, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then we'll have blitzes in between on Friday as well. So make sure you tune in to Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. For our producer, Mike Robier, for Momot and for Murph, I'm Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Today. You guys have a great rest of your night, and we'll talk to you this week.